Over the last few weeks, we've been exploring the character of God. And a couple of weeks ago, Mark spoke about God the Spirit. And last week, Jill looked at the God we worship. And this morning, I want to look at the God who speaks. Or as Andrew Wilson puts it in his book, Incomparable, the speaking one. And he says that God speaks, and I don't know if you can read it, but he says, are we listening? Are we listening? The Bible clearly teaches that God delights to communicate with us in various ways. So we need to understand that and listen for his voice. And let me say straight away, I can't cover this in 20 minutes. There's far too much for me to cover in 20 minutes. So I want to recommend a couple of other books in addition to um, Incomparable, where we're looking at the character of God. And the next slide, please. Um, First is Surprised by the Voice of God by Jack Deere. And Jack Deere um, goes through lots of amazing ways that God has spoken to lots of people through history and himself and and his journey to accepting that God still speaks today because there's a lot of people that don't think God speaks today. And the second is Hippo in the Garden by James Ryle. And James was a pastor of Vineyard Church in Boulder, Colorado. (laughs) And (laughs) I don't know what that was. And, um, yeah, uh, oh yeah, Um, and the the subtitle to this is a non-religious approach to a conversation with God. Now, it's out of print, you'll be surprised to know, but there are lots of copies on Amazon I checked, so you can still get this book. So the first thing to say is God speaks. He's spoken from the third verse of Genesis where he spoke creation into being. And for more on God the Creator, listen to Ray's talk of the 30th of January. And we see God speaking right the way through the Bible, right to the end of Revelation, where God talks about the consequences of removing or adding anything to his word. So then, why, if we've got the Bible and God's spoken through it, God says, don't add anything to it, are we talking about why does God speak today? Well, Andrew Wilson uh, uses this a little verse in Hebrews 12.25. And his translation, and I'll just read that one, see to it that you do not refuse the speaking one. For if they did not escape when they refused the one who warned them on earth, how much less will we escape if we turn away from the one from heaven? You think, where's that, what's that got to do with God speaking? And how do we sort of link into that? Well, we've got to go back to Hebrews 11. And in Hebrews 11, Paul reminds us, reminds the people that he's talking to, that God speaks and they listen to the God who speaks in faith. And he lists Abraham and Joseph and Moses, Rahab, David and Samuel, just to to list a few. And then at the beginning of chapter 12, Paul encourages and he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses of people that have heard God, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And the Bible recalls numerous examples of those who ignored the word of God. And you've only got to read through the book of Kings or the two books of Kings to see where those kings that ignored God There were consequences. And those kings that 
followed God and listened to God, there was blessing for the nation. And you see this right through the Bible. So hence, see to it that you don't refuse the one who speaks or the speaking one, because God's word is powerful. And if God hadn't spoken, there wouldn't be creation, there'd be no gospel, there'd be no salvation. But he did speak. God said, let there be in Genesis, and all creation came into being. Andrew Wilson goes on to say this, God's work of new creation is brought about through speech. Had you noticed that? God's word is the only thing that can bring something out of nothing. In creation, God spoke light out of darkness and life out of nothingness. We exist as new creations in Christ entirely because God speaks. That fact is reflected in Romans 4:17, and we read this. God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. In the New Living Translation, they put it like this. God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Now, when we make things, we make things out of materials that are already there. But God calls things out of absolutely nothing. So the first point, see that you don't refuse him who speaks. Rather, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. God continues to speak in the New Testament. John 1, the, the title of this first part of the book of John is the word became flesh. And the beginning verses, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was a light of mankind. The light shines in the darkness and darkness has not overcome it. Jesus is the very word of God become flesh and blood. He was involved in creation from the beginning and Jesus, the word of God, was God's plan for salvation that dawned on the earth. And the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God was released. Jesus says in Matthew 4, 4, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And in Hippo in the Garden, James Rowell therefore notes this, Since faith is such an essential feature of righteous life, and since it can only be obtained by hearing the voice of the Lord, doesn't this in itself demonstrate God's great readiness to speak to all who are willing to listen and obey. Jesus makes it even clearer that God speaks in John 15. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes from the Father, he will testify about me. And then John 16, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So God speaks apart from what's in the Bible. Now before we go any further into God speaking to us, I think it's important to point out the how-nots to hear from God. 
And it's clear that the world around us is desperate to know the future. Almost every newspaper and magazine, and even in my What's On TV, is your stars, you know. People try and predict the future by tea leaves or palm readings. There are computer programs written that tell you all sorts of things, from big money business to your national lottery numbers. Our Western culture today, more than ever, is aware there's a supernatural and spiritual dimension to, to humanity. But instead of turning to God to fulfill that dimension, they turn to mediums and crystals and palm reading and tea leaves, which to God is illegal. It's not how God speaks to us. What do I mean by illegal? Well, I mean the occult counterfeits of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're so persuasive and seductive. And they, they do offer ways of finding out information. But, and don't for one minute think that they don't work. You can get information. Remember the demon-possessed girl, or the demon-possessed man, Legion, who said to Jesus, I know who you are. And what about the, the girl who ran after Paul and Silas, saying these men are the servants of the Most High, telling you how to be saved. And what about Samuel? Uh, sorry, Saul in Samuel. Saul, you know, was chosen by God to be king, but then he's disobedient. And at the end, right at the end, he goes to a medium to summon Samuel back from the dead to find out the future because God's not speaking to him anymore. These things are dangerous because they not only leave people wide open to the destructive nature of the occult, but they bring those who practice them under God's judgment. And God doesn't change. And it's strictly forbidden and it's detestable for God to, for us to go into these things. Galatians 5 says this, the acts of the sinful nature are idolatry and witchcraft and a lot, long other list, but idolatry and witchcraft, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. God couldn't have put it any stronger. So as God's people, we need to demonstrate the true supernatural and spiritual dimension of life that there is through Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, let's be honest, we want to know the future, don't we? I'm just reminded there was a film called Heroes a long time ago on the telly, about four, four, well, ten years ago. And there was a chap there that wrote a cartoon magazine and wrote pictures. But they actually told the future. And you could buy this book and it told the future of the characters in the show. And we all like to know the future, you know, what's around the corner? How do we deal with a certain situation or a problem? Where to live? What job to have? So it's difficult sometimes to wait for God, isn't it? Because we live in an instant society. We want it yesterday. But we have to wait for God's time. And God will speak to us. God wants the same level of communication with you and me that you have with Jesus. But you have to wait for God to tell us in his timing. So that's just a little bit about why not to go into the do-nots. And what about Jesus? Did Jesus have it any easier than we do? No, he didn't. Jesus had to wait to be told each step by the Holy Spirit. Why? Because Jesus Christ was a man filled with the Spirit just like us. He denied himself. He never once cheated by using his own divinity. He never once cut a corner by doing works by his own power. When Jesus came, 
He laid aside his majesty. As it says in the song, he gave up everything for me. And when Jesus had grown up, well into his ministry, he was relying on the Holy Spirit. And we see this in John 15, 19 and 20, where they're plotting to kill him. And Jesus replies, I assure you, the son could do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does also. For the father loves the son and tells him everything he is doing. Here's God speaking and communicating with Jesus the son. And that's the key for us as Christians. Just as Jesus did, we need to listen to the voice of God and do whatever he tells us. And God will tell us because he loves us. And let's not ignore the speaking one. And the Bible's full of instructions to listen to God. Jeremiah 7.2 tells Jeremiah, Go to the entrance of the Lord's temple and give this message to the people of Judah. Listen to the message of the Lord. Listen, all of you who worship here. Matthew 17, verse 5. A, verse, a voice from the clouds said, This is my beloved son. I am fully pleased with him. Listen to him. And in Revelation, and we studied this in our home group, in the seven letters, in Revelation 2, 7, 11, 17, 29, and in 3, 6, anyone who is willing to hear should listen to the Spirit and understand what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Now in all of these, there's a common thread that God, the speaking one, speaks to his people. So if you're one of God's people, guess what? God will speak to you. The clear direction from God is to listen to him and understand what he's saying. Jesus' own example is clear, isn't it? That we should listen, and that's key for us to be in a disciple. Having said that, the Bible also is clear that God speaks to his people in other ways, not just through the Bible. It's not just through preaching and teaching and studying the word. We read earlier that Jesus said in John 16, verse 13, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. In the New Living Translation, it says, he will tell you about the future. Jesus left his disciples believing they were going to have spiritual encounters where God will speak to them on a regular basis. And as you read through the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament, we see that happening time and time again, that God speaks. And so as followers of Jesus, the Holy Spirit will speak to us. It's in the Bible. So let's believe it. But what are other ways that God speaks other than the Bible? Well, in Numbers 12, 6 to 8, we get some clues. And this is what it says. Even with the prophets, I tell, even with prophets, I, the Lord, communicate by visions and dreams, but that's not how I communicate with my servant Moses. I speak to him face to face directly and not in riddles. So here we've got dreams, visions, face to face and riddles. And again, we don't need to sort of say, oh, that's how God's going to speak to us. They're just broad categories, and they can be circumstances. God can use angels, as he did with Mary and Joseph. Inner impressions, pictures, and we all talk about, we've had a picture about this. We've had a picture about that. God's shown me this. Um, trances, people have trances. People hear the audible voice of God. 
which is different to face-to-face, and the natural realm, creation. Doesn't creation speak to us about God's mercy and his grace and his, his magnificence? All these can come through the word of God, through other people, through circumstances, or directly through the Holy Spirit to us. One small point to note, though, is that we need to be in the right place with the right attitude to hear correctly. That's why I think the book of Job is in the Bible. And in Job, there's lots of people hearing from God and saying all sorts of things, even Job, and they're all wrong. The only one who sort of gets it right is the youngest. And he's held back because he didn't think they'd listen to him. But eventually Elihu, in Job 33, finally gets up the courage to speak up. And he says, you're all wrong. He says, but God speaks again and again, through pe- though people do not recognise it. He speaks in dreams, in visions of the night, when deep sleep falls on people as they lie in their bed. He whispers in their ears and terrifies them with his warnings. He causes them to change their minds. He keeps them from pride. He keeps them from the grave, from crossing over the river of death. And I think Mr. Putin needs to listen to God in this way. Maybe God needs to speak to him in his dreams and warn him. The point I'm making is if we concentrate on looking for a specific method of communication or wanting a specific word from God, rather than making sure we're in the right place with the right attitude, we're in danger of missing him altogether. What about Samuel? Well, we read immediately in verse in 1 Samuel 3, in those days, messages from the Lord were rare and visions were quite uncommon. You think, well, why was God silent at that point in, in history? Well, if you just go back to the previous chapter, you find out that Elihu's sons, who were priests, were seducing the women who were assisting at the entrance to the temple. And so it wasn't really you know, God's will for them to be doing that. So God said, well, I'm not going to speak to you anymore. But then he speaks to Samuel. So the boy Samuel here. And he's, remember, he's, he's a boy. He's been at the temple since he was born. Um, and he's just a boy. And notice in verses 4, 6 and 8 that it's God who initiates the communication. Three times he calls Samuel. And Eli doesn't realise what's going on. Neither does Samuel. But notice Samuel's attitude as he responds to Eli in 5, 6, 8 and 10. Here I am, what do you need? And why didn't Samuel know that it was God, not Eli, that was calling him? Well, in verse 7, which is the next slide, we see that Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he never had a message from God before. And finally, in verse 10, we see that Samuel said, well, go back, and it's God that's speaking to us. Say this. The Lord came and stood there calling at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. So what do these two things, Elihu and Samuel, say about our preconceived ideas sometimes about who can hear from God? Are they qualified? Well, if you've got a pulse and you're a Christian, God will speak to you. So what can we take away from Samuel's encounter? Well, he had a pure heart, he had a listening ear, and he had an obedient will. 
What about New Testament? Just a quick example from the New Testament. Philip and the eunuch. In Acts 8, 26 to 40. Verse 26 says, As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south, down to the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. And then the Holy Spirit says, Go over and walk alongside that carriage. First, God sends an angel to tell him where to go. Notice he didn't tell him what he wants him to do and why he wants him to go there. And especially with us sometimes, and certainly with my kids when they were small, the response is, why? Second, having been obedient, Philip is told by the Holy Spirit to go and walk by the carriage. Notice again, he's not told why to do it. If Philip had waited and asked why, the, the Ethiopian would have been long gone, I'm sure. And how did God speak to the Ethiopian eunuch? Verse 30, Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And so he says, do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch says, well, how can I, unless someone tells me? So Philip began with the same scripture, uses many others to tell him about the good news of Jesus. So God speaks through Philip to a total stranger, the Ethiopian, who we'd never seen before, you know, the Ethiopian had never seen him before. Had he been looking for a specific response, you know, an angel in bright gleaming clothes or something, he would have missed it. So who's this Muppet running alongside me? Go away, you know, I'm important. So Philip listened and followed instructions without question. The Ethiopian responded without hesitation, he's baptised. Both of them were in the right place at the right time with the right attitude and responded to the word of God they were given rather than being hung up on a method of delivery or their own human understanding. So here again, we see the same three characteristics. A pure heart, a listening ear, and an obedient will. So how to conclude this? God has been speaking from the beginning of creation. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. And he's still speaking today to anyone who will listen. Let's make sure we, we, we aren't those people who refuse the speaking one. If we do, there's going to be consequences. So let's listen to the voice of God. Just as, as you know, Saul didn't do it in the Old Testament, did he? He didn't listen to God and there were consequences. But Samuel and others listened to God and followed his word. The world is desperate to know the future. So we need to direct people to Jesus to fulfil their need and go through the proper channels of supernatural and spiritual gifts and make God available to them. God wants the same level of communication and depth of relationship with you and me that he had with Jesus. That's why he created us in the first place, to have relationship. Jesus says in John 16, 13, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, he will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come or he will tell you the future. If we're humble enough and position ourselves to hear God's voice and we can think of loads of people through history. Gladys Salwood, Jackie Pullinger, loads of people that have heard God's voice and responded, Mother Teresa. If we're humble enough and position ourselves to hear God's voice, he will speak to us and we'll find ourselves involved in all sorts of divine setups. 
revealing the real Jesus to those who most need him. And for each of us, the key characteristics to hearing God's voice, the speaking one, are a pure heart, a listening ear, and an obedient will. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you are the speaking one. You are the same today, yesterday, and forever. Thank you that you've spoken to us through your word. Thank you that you continue to speak to us through your Son and through the Holy Spirit. You speak and call things into being that are not. You create new things out of nothing. Father, help us by your Spirit to be people with pure hearts, listening ears and obedient wills, to do those things that you call us to do, to go where you call us to be. In Jesus' name. Amen. So now we're going to end the YouTube feed and we're going to go over to, um, what is it? Zoom. <laughs> we're going to go over to Zoom um, for those that are on, going to want to join us, have got the invitation. And if you've been watching this and you'd like to join us on Zoom, um, email the church office and Mark will send out the invite to you. So for us here and for for you at home, these are the questions that I want us to consider. What one thing has stood out from you this morning from the message? Have you sensed God speaking to you through the Holy Spirit this morning as I've been speaking? What's God been saying? Do you desire to be more open to hearing God's voice and the Spirit's leading? In what way? And let's pray for each other that God will speak to us today and this week and that we'll be open to hear what he says and then we'll act upon it. It's not just listening to it and hearing it, we've got to act upon it. Amen.